Join the big show Monday, September 2nd at Wasatch Front Kia for the massive mega tent sales event with over 1,000 new and used cars to choose from with rock bottom price and plenty of jazz swag to give away. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk a little college football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He comes to us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the countdown. We are almost to kickoff. We're almost there. And it begs the question, are we about to see a historic football season for the Utes? Or there's been too much buildup, too many people making outrageous predictions, and the, the, the goal line's been set way, way too far in front of this team. Well, I'm 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 interested to see how they react to this. I I, I it's just really hard for me. It, it's been really interesting to see the reaction of fans. I mean, right now I feel like BYU fans are super quiet because just the the possibility or the thought of losing nine games in a row is just like overwhelming. And then it's been interesting because if I even hint that maybe the Utes aren't going. To the playoffs, I, I I've never seen Utah fans so sensitive in my entire life. Like, I, oh, I, that's I important, people. Riley. Uh-huh. That's important. What's you that? bring that up. That's funny. You bring that up because we just got a passionate listener, Jeff Dart, said text uh, tweeted us says it's too late now since the season starts tomorrow. But if PK and DJ could show a little less displeasure and annoyance that Utah is getting preseason hype na- nationally, that would be great. So, here's a diehard fan he's communicated with us many times. I respect his passion for sure. And he's calling us out on the very thing that you just said about them being sensitive to the hype. And certainly we don't mind the hype, although naturally I'll come clean. If, if most of the crowd is going the direction this way, I'm going to look to go that way. That's just who I am. Everybody knows that. But it's almost like they're... They're uneasy with all the hype. I, I I totally think so. I've it's been very very interesting to me. I've never I've never thought of Utah fans as a little bit sensitive. I mean, I mean, last week DJ DJ and PK we were on the show. All we said was pump the brakes. We didn't say hey these guys can't be good. Exactly. And I couldn't I couldn't believe the reaction. <laughs> and and I couldn't believe like the audacity to say something like that. And, and it just makes me think that, hey, look, they haven't really been here before. Um, this is this is all new territory, and it's a little bit nerve-wracking for some of the fans and for some of the people. It doesn't mean I, – I, I think that after this first week, we're going to have a really good indicator as to where these teams are. And I'm, I'm excited to see where they are. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be hard fought. And I'm just excited to see. I'm so just anticipating the season. It's making me think that I actually really enjoy the rivalry first week because I'm like, come on, can it just be tonight? Can we just watch it? Let's get this. Let's get it on. And I'm sure that I'm sure the players are thinking the same thing. I'm sure the coaches are. I know the fans are. Let's just get this game going so we can figure out where we stand and so we can make some analysis and so we can see what's going on with these teams because at this point. I'm tired of talking about it. I can't even imagine how how much the players are tired of talking about it. 
Riley, join us here. Riley Jensen, join us, our college football insider. So if it's time to pump the brakes, the number one worry for the Utes, amidst all the good news and all that, you know, the D-line's going to be awesome and the defensive backfield ought to be awesome. Nobody's debating that. What's the one thing you're watching to check out because you're really not sure it's good enough to fulfill the highest expectations? Well, I think just even early on in the game, and I and I feel like this is an offensive coordinator too. You, you get a real feel, and you get a quick observation as to whether your team's going to be moving the ball by the push that your offensive line gets or your defensive line gets. Like just right there in the trenches, right from the beginning. I'm interested. I'm actually more interested in the matchup between the University of Utah's offensive line and BYU's defensive line to see how that looks tomorrow than I am. I, I mean, both the offensive line for BYU and the defensive line for Utah are getting tons of hype. I'm excited to see or anticipating what's going to happen on the on the other side. In other words, University of Utah's offensive line versus the defensive line for BYU to see if they're going to be able to move the ball. And you kind of get this feel as an offensive coordinator, like, okay, look, we're going to be okay today. We're going to be able to keep the whole playbook in because we're able to run this play and we're able to run this play and we were able to run this formation and they gave us this look. So early in the game, you're going to get a feel as to whether these teams can move the ball or not. And and I think for me, for me, the University of Utah, if if their offensive line is good and Tyler Huntley is put in good situations like I think he will be um, by by Andy Ludwig, then I think this could be a big season for the University of Utah. Because, and, and, and if they don't play well, here's, here's where I'm worried about the U. I, I think it's impossible for the University of Utah to replicate what they've done in special teams over the last three, four years. It's been an unbelievable run. It doesn't mean that they won't be good. It doesn't mean that they won't be solid. It's just they're not going to be able to use special teams as a weapon like they have over the past three or four years. So I think there's going to be just a little bit of drop-off on special teams. And I think that the offense, if they're good enough, they can make up for some of that drop-off. But they're definitely going to have to be better offensively than what they've been, and they're definitely going to have to be really good at the quarterback position. And I think playing good at the quarterback position has a lot to do with the offensive line, and it has to do with the coach putting the quarterback in good situations to throw the ball. How much of the playbook do you think both teams will have at their disposal in Game One versus what they would do the rest of the season? I actually, I, I actually hate that phrase when a coach is like, "Well, we have the full playbook in." Now, I don't know a coach that's worth his salt that doesn't have the whole playbook in by the first game. But, but what I think is what they're really trying to say, or what what, what they're really trying to evolve to, is that. Quarterbacks, for example, they, if they're younger, like if you if you have a senior quarterback and an experienced quarterback like Tyler Huntley, there's more to your playbook that's in in the sense that if I'm playing quarterback and I'm young, I'm normally going from like read one to read two, and that's about as far as I get. The more seasoned and the more experience you get with a quarterback, you can now get to your third and fourth reads. And that's where offenses become really dangerous and you feel like you have your whole playbook in. And so to me, 
Like that whole statement, like, well, we just don't even have our whole playbook in, blah, 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 yada, 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 is, is kind of like a, a coach speak type, type thing more than it is. Like the whole playbook's in. It's the nuances of offense and hitting the third and fourth options or a quarterback being able to come up to the line of scrimmage and you've got a play call to the left, a run play call to the left, and there's like five guys on defense to the left and there's only like three to the right and just making that switch. That's the advancement of the offense. That's where you feel like you have the whole playbook in because you have a guy that can get you into a good play. So the only thing that I can think of where maybe the playbook gets cut in half really quick is, you know, I have a first nine plays that I call. I try and figure out uh, a lot of things based on what the defense is lining up to different formations, how they're going to react to certain things. And then when we run the ball, you can definitely feel in those first nine plays, whether you have a push or whether you're able to like hit some seams with some different run game type things. Then at that point, you can kind of feel like, okay, in this formation, this formation, and this formation is all in. And then you might take out two formations because you're like, I just don't like the look and I don't like the feel of like what's going on because that those plays just didn't feel right. And so you might throw out 40% of your playbook at the middle of the game. That doesn't mean you throw out your game plan. It just means that the other 60% is going to be more successful for you based on those first nine plays. So when, when people talk about having the whole playbook in, I, I, I mean, if there's really coaches out there that don't have their whole playbook in, that, that's disturbing to me. Because why wouldn't you have all your plays at your disposal? The question mark is, is are we nuanced enough to actually get to to an advanced set of plays that, that I can hit my third and fourth option on. Zach Wilson looked looked good the second half of last season in some of the games. Some of the games he struggled a little bit in, but he was definitely picking up speed at the end. But they made sure that he didn't start and play against the toughest opponents, the front end of the schedule, the Power 5 teams. How big a step up is it for him to play those teams this year, and how much can we just look at what he was doing at the end of the year and then look at this and think, ah, no problem, including the Utah game at the end of the year? Well, uh, I could tell you this. Um, as a guy who played a, a lot of what, what they called money games at the first of the season, it's tough. It's, it's tough to play against those really good teams early. You're trying to get your timing you're trying to, to make sure that you're as accurate as possible, that you that you have the nuances of that offense. But when you're playing against big teams that are loaded at the front of the year, it's it's a different ball game. And so Zach's going to have some growing pains that way. I think the one game last year that, that showed me that it didn't really matter whether it was a, a P5 team or not was the University of Utah game. And I thought I thought Zach played really, really well in the University of Utah game at certain points, and I thought – he made some big mistakes at certain points. And so I think the biggest thing about playing against P5 teams and playing against good teams is you've got to play mistake-free. And there's a real fine line, in my opinion, psychologically with a quarterback between telling him not to turn the ball over and also to have him you know, kind of have that attacking attitude that you need to be able to throw touchdowns and to be able to attack the end zone when you're in the when you're inside the red zone and trying to, to score touchdowns and so there's this there's this delicate you know push and pull that you have on the quarterback position and and that push and pull becomes even more delicate in a P5 type game because those mistakes can really cost you 
if you're if you're playing in a P5 game to me. And, and you know, some people make the argument against me, well, he threw that pick six last year to Blackman and that they went down and scored the next drive. Well, yeah, but it did flip the momentum. Like, the offense for Utah kind of woke up. It was kind of like, okay, these guys aren't going to play perfect football all day. And so even though BYU answered, I, I really do feel like that was a momentum play. And those are the type of plays that you have to eliminate when you're playing against really good teams. And, and Utah has a really good defense perennially. This is going to be a tough test for Zach Wilson. And we'll see how good he is and how much he's improved in this game. You know Ludwig pretty well. I remember when you were telling me when Kyle gets a head coaching job, Andy Ludwig's going to be his coordinator, and you were absolutely right. With that in mind, I'm going to use the word allow. How much do you think Ludwig will allow Tyler Huntley to run the ball? Sorry, I didn't hear that part. To to what? The ball? To, To run the ball. Ooh. That's an interesting scenario. I think Based on what I know of Ludwig, he's he's going to be much more limited in the way that he runs Huntley with the ball. But I but I do think that he will give him lots of opportunities to have a run pass option in the sense of a bootleg here and there or a rollout here and there where if 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 he doesn't like what he sees downfield, it gives him the opportunity to run the ball. Um, I don't think you'll see as many type of of read option type plays where he's reading a defensive end and he either hands it off to Moss or the defensive end crashes and so he ends up carrying them off. I don't think you'll see that as much, but I would anticipate that you would see five to eight run pass option type plays where he's where he's rolling out in some sort of fashion and he can either run the ball or throw the ball because he's very, very athletic. <laughs> I do think, though, with Tyler Huntley, and we talked about this last year, and even though he got hurt on a play that was kind of in the pocket, it wasn't as big of a deal, you have to limit your quarterback's runs to, to four to eight total in a game, and that includes scrambles, right? Because if you start getting up over eight plays where he's taking legitimate hits, and I, you know, the, the thing that I, that I remember – from and I don't remember a lot because you know CTE and concussions and stuff. But when you, when the thing that I remember about Division One football is you, the difference between college football and high school football is like you'll have maybe two, three hits a game in high school where you're like, "Ooh, like I felt that one." Like there was some energy that left my body. Literally every time I got hit in college, I felt like energy left my body. It felt like every single hit hurt my feelings, regardless of how big or how small it looked. And so when the cumulative effect of 8, 10, 15 carries a game starts to happen to a quarterback, your body just doesn't recover the way that it should. And so now you start to accumulate five, six games of hits. And then all of a sudden it seems like a a rather benign hit, you know, in the Arizona State game will take you out. And you're just like, wow, I did not expect that to be the play that knocked him out. But – there's a cumulative effect over the over the year of how many times a quarterback gets hit. And I think Andy knows that, and I think he'll be really smart about the way he uses him in the run game. So when it's all said and done, Riley, everybody wants a prediction out of you. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm predicting another close game. I think it's going to be a little bit ugly. I think the Utes win ugly. 
Um, and there's going to be flashes for both teams where you feel really, really good about your team, uh, where you feel like, oh my gosh, this could be a really fun season. And I think BYU is going to be much better this year than anybody anticipated. I think the Utes win a close one. I'm, I'm thinking like a 28-21 score and that, that, that it comes down to three or four plays that are really, really big. And it's going to be a really fun rivalry game. And, and, and that's the way that I, that I think it'll play out. It's hard for me to pick against the youths right now until BYU shows me that they can overcome the psychology of wins in a row against them. I think, I think, I think that's a lot heavier than anyone anticipates. Um, I will say that, that the one thing that I've been thinking about that, that gives you hope if you're a BYU player or a BYU fan is I, I really feel like Aaron Roderick understands the defense for the University of Utah, and he's had years and years of calling plays against him in the spring, understanding what they try to do, and I think he's going to be able to score points on this defense just because he understands what they're going to try to do to him. And if they get hot and they start to feel a little bit of confidence early in the game, it could cause problems for the University of Utah. So I'm not totally convinced with my prediction of the U. Um, in the sense that I think I, I really feel like A Rod is 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 an X factor. I thought he called a great game against them last year, and they had a real chance to win that game. And I think it's going to be some of the same again this year. Got your Aggies beating Wake Forest? Well, I was all about it until you pulled out your two time zone thing again on me, and how you get me all freaking twisted up. And t- PK, how am I supposed to react to that? Well, then just have the Aggies land in Oklahoma and spend some time there, and then it'll only be one time zone. We've solved that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, I mean, I mean, there's some real, there's some real, uh, ever since you, I, I can't remember the first time we talked about it. It might have been the first time I did Aggie Under the Bleacher with you, like 15 years ago. There's been, I, every time I notice that, and so I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, nervous about predicting the Aggies, but I'm going with the Aggies in a close one because of Jordan Love. And I think he's going to make some plays with his arms and his feet that that can beat uh, an average to below average ACC team on the road. Thanks, Riley. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best. I appreciate you having me on. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, join us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, when we come back... More on the uh, the Ute fans who want us to be more positive and stop with all this negativity, and the Ute fans who embrace the negativity because you're making them nervous with this nervous. 11 and 1 talk. They're nervous about it. I get it. I'd be nervous too. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. USC quarterback Jack Sears has entered the NCAA transfer portal after being listed as the fourth-string quarterback on the Trojans' depth chart. He plans to remain at USC for the fall semester, complete his undergraduate degree in December, and that'll allow him to talk to other schools and play next year. Tennessee Volunteers' defensive line got a boost as Michigan transfer Aubrey Solomon had his immediate eligibility waiver granted by the NCAA. The 6'5", 300-pound tackle is a former five-star prospect, played 18 games for the Wolverines, and, of course, Tennessee plays BYU week two. 
Major League Baseball, the Yankees blanked the Mariners 7-0. Dodgers shut out the Padres 9-0. And the Salt Lake Bees lose 7-6 in El Paso. Game 3 tonight, 7 o'clock. Listen to the game on the Zone Sports Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Networks. If you were recently notified by Verizon that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, well, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. Have a full range of services. Call them today at 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That's Syringa Networks. The 2019 season begins this week, and what better way to kick off the season than... The Holy War. Listen all week as the Zone Sports Network gets you ready for another chapter of the BYU-Utah rivalry. Then, on game day, catch the Holy War pregame show beginning Thursday at 6 at JCW's in Provo. They gonna talk about me. Your home for the best Holy War coverage in Utah is right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday from 3 to 6 at Murdoch Hyundai, 452 Linden Park Drive in Linden. All right, we started the day with one question, but we've been hit up with another take, and it's taken over the show. You can go to our Facebook page. Time for predictions. What will BYU's record be? Where will they get the big wins and the painful losses. And we got a lot of people uh, answering that. We also have a Ute fan who's upset. Jeff, it's too late now since the season starts tomorrow, but if P.K. Kinnan and David D.J. James could show a little less displeasure and annoyance that Utah's getting preseason hype nationally, that'd be great. Sensitive. Why would I be displeased? The better these teams do, the better it is for us. That is a fact. And I've made no uh, hidden agendas about my relationships with some of those guys on their uh, staffs. So I want them to win. I've got no problem saying that. What what what's the deal here? Why are why are we being accused of being displeased with high expectations? You think we'd much rather talk about a three and nine team or a seven and five team? We've done that. It's no fun. We can get through it. We got through it. But the Croton years were not were not a bonus. Well, I actually enjoyed them, but uh, <laughs> I'm warped. You are. Most people do not. You can see it weekly looking at the talking sports ratings. On a Saturday when the local teams win, way more people watch. Nobody wants to hear their coaches and players explain how come they dropped that game by 10 points or threw that interception or missed that kick or whatever. But, man, when your team wins, tell me more about that long touchdown run. Oh, tell you, me more about those three interceptions you picked yeah, off. Sure, you revel in it. Right. Obviously. And it's the same thing on the Monday morning here when people want to come in and talk after a win. Everybody loves a Hell, win. Hell, I'd love to see them get into the playoff. I, I Actually, I'd prefer Pasadena in over the playoff, but that's my Rose Bowl bias. I'd much rather be in the uh, Rose Bowl. But that's that's me. I get the playoff is, is more – and it's a higher uh, achievement and all that. I understand that completely. I'm just saying, for me, I grew up with the Rose Bowl as being the be-all, end-all. So if you want the playoff, have at it. No, I'd go crazy with these expectations. I've got no problem. Well, there are plenty of people who aren't. There's people out there picking them Alamo and Holiday. But those aren't yeah, the ones no. we gravitate to. No. Those aren't the ones that resonate. They're not that exciting. 
It's more down the middle of the road. Hey, you're going to be one of the better teams in the conference, but not the best. I got accused of scoffing and mocking Lee Corso's prediction. I think that was more me than you. <laughs> I could not believe that. I still can't. Yeah, wow, well, it's a big deal. It's one person's prediction. Yeah. Predictions are they're just that. They're predictions. They're not guarantees. So they're forecasts. They're just for fun. So I've got no problem with it. Why not? Pick outside the box, man. Corso's the crazy old dude. He's supposed to be dumb and stupid and make outlandish statements. That's why he has a job. If he's going to break it down X and O's, he's going to have a job at his age? No. He's going to put on the hats and the, the, the headgear and, and appease the crowd. If I, if I were him, whatever place they are, I'd pick the home team every time. So the place goes nuts. Who cares of whether he's right or wrong? It doesn't matter. The thing is, that's entertainment. It's not Vegas where you're making money off of predictions. That's what matters. If you're putting money down on it, then it's a whole other story. But Corso's role is to be an entertainer and play up to the crowd and have the cheerleaders go nuts. I would do that every week. Wherever I was, I'd pick the home team. Give me the home team's headgear, and I'd put it on every single time. It's supposed to be fun, and then you leave on a high note, and then you start the games. Whether he picks the right team or the wrong team, who gives a flying you-know-what? It's there to laugh and have a good time. That's a, And then they put in somebody, there's a connection to somebody who died. And then they have a little segment that it tugs at your heart each week that they got to do it. All right? How long is their show? Is it two hours? How long does it go? Uh, I think they extended it to three. It's three, three hours now. now. Yeah, okay, it started as two yeah. for a long time. Right. So have a little segment in there where uh, it's somebody's cousin's brother's uncle's niece who passed away tragically which is for sure it's real, and then they tug at your heart a little bit, and then you gain a little perspective and have uh, Wojciechowski speak in, in hushed tones like the, the news people do when they have giddy stuff, and then they, they lower their eyebrow. Don't be giddy fr- about death. And they frown a little bit, and they take on a little serious look. I love watching the new news when they do that, and, and, and they, go, they run through the random police says, and then there's something that's real serious, and then they get serious, too. Well, then they have the hush tones, or the one dude, Tom, what's his name? Uh, Rinaldi. He'll do something. Tom Rinaldi. He'll do, so, he'll do something on death. And then they go back to the giddy stuff. And then they end. Hey, Bear, who do you got this week? <laughs> and then they end when it's giddy, right? They never end on death. They end it's on Corso and now I'm going to wreck your Saturday morning. <laughs> no, they do that early to tug at your heartstrings. It's a formula. It's a freaking TV show. Fact. <laughs> we don't do formula. They're saying in the Channel 2 Sports Office, and I've said it. We don't do formula TV, but, and then bum, 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 here's what we're doing. All TV is entertainment do in one not, form or another. Do not and a three-hour college football pregame show with the death story. Right. That will never happen. If someone has that bad idea, someone (laughs) will change their mind. No, we're not doing that there. So Corso did what he did. But how can you say we're not into it? I'm totally into it. I like what you say about the money. That the predictions, you know, is it it trolling? Do you have to see something outrageous for entertainment? Or so you can be right if you hit on some long shot. But when it gets to Vegas and you're actually putting hundreds of Thousands, tens of thousands. Right. Somebody with too much money who just wants to set it on fire in the street will bet a million dollars on the Super Bowl. 
then you don't screw around so much. Right. And so while you were saying that, I checked the current Vegas odds, and Utah has the 15th best odds, which is odd because in a lot of polls, they're showing up in the top 15, right? We've seen them 12, 13, 15, whatever. 80 to 1 for the Utes. Yeah. Oregon's 40 to 1. Washington's 50 to 1. If the Vegas odds makers are right, then. which they are a lot, but not all the time, and they're reflecting public perception, but the masses' perception, that would put them in the Holiday or Alamo Bowl. Yeah, And I told you there was that thing over the weekend, I retweeted it, eight bowl predictions, and two of them had the Utes in the Rose, and two of them had them in the Alamo, and four of them had them in the Holiday. But the standard is Rose Bowl. If they don't get to the Rose Bowl, it's a disappointment. How is that displeasure? You're sensitive, and I get it, because you're a lifelong fan, and this means a whole lot to you. Yeah, particularly it means a lot Jeff. to you, too, though, because you get to go to the Rose Bowl if the Utes go. Which is why I want them to go. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> you want a free trip to California in December and January? Thank you. absolutely awesome, yes. Yes, normally I'd root for the Devils, but you're starting a first-year freshman quarterback, so it's unrealistic to, uh, to have them. And you think I want Oregon or Washington to go over Utah? You are nutso. I think it's your sensitivity to the predictions. And I get it. You're a fan. So you're heavily invested and you're nervous about it. I, I completely understand that. I would understand that completely. It would make sense to me. If I was that in your position, I'd be uh, hedging and be nervous too. So I have zero problem. You know, I wonder. I wonder how much some of the predictions are just uh, you know have fun with it and be outside the box. But how much is people kind of tugging against the predictability of college football? Because I think the one thing that's always been—I mean, my entire life, decade after decade—it has been fun. The college football is unpredictable. There are so many storylines. There's always, I mean, there's a lot of powerhouses, and they rule the day, and they often have, and we know who they are. But there's usually someone coming out of nowhere doing something unpredictable. For sure. And it's getting squeezed out of the game slowly but surely. Uh, I think at the very top level it, it is. Right, though. exactly. But the rest of the levels, it's not for me, it's not. Because I don't care about the playoff. I care about the Pac-12. Yes. So I don't care Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. You put the most money in, you're getting the return on your investment. Good for you. Right. I get that. But, so I don't care about that. But all the national people, whether they're writing on websites or they're on game day, uh-huh. they got to predict the playoff at the start of the year. It's what they do. It's what we as viewers expect. For sure. And to yeah. sit up there and predict Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and, you know, an outlier like Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Oklahoma's the outlier well, now field, with man. two Heisman Trophy winners. But they really do. They feel like the, the fourth kid at the party. <laughs> You're like, I mean, yeah, we'll let Oklahoma in. They're nice. Yeah, they're one of the historic big dogs. And now they got a quarterback who's 26-2. and two. Yep. Yeah, so. Because now we got, to, as uh, Gary Anderson said, we don't have free agency in college football. Pause, wait for it, but we do. Good, and I think we should. Let those kids go wherever they want to go. I've got no problem with that. Mateo, I don't want a football analyst to entertain me. I want him to inform me. Well, then why are they laughing? Desmond Howard's cackle is part of the show. It's a significant part of the show. And why you? that's not an entertainment show. Why do they bring on a guest who is popular? Hey, Taylor Swift, want to pick games? Whoever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And they bring hey, John somebody Stockton. on. They brought Stockton in last time they were here. Exactly. And when they're in Tennessee, well, yeah. they bring in Chesney. Yeah. 
and they bring in those folks. And it's an it's a form of entertainment. Come on, college Katie football Perry. is a form of entertainment. Katy Perry picked games one week, as well. She should. <laughs> she should pick them every week, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you really are a TV producer at heart. <laughs> Who cares? You pretend to be an ink stained wretch. Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. Okay, bring Katy Perry in every week. Yeah. What is Lee Corso going to tell you that you don't already know? Especially right now when there haven't been any games and we've been reading the same stuff and watching the same stuff over and over. We love the Utes. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Don't be so sensitive. Embrace it. Run with it. I've embraced it. You're going to the Rose Bowl this year. I've already made my reservations. And I booked a flight that is non-refundable. That's so, how confident So you're going either way. No, I'm not going either way. It's either for me. That's it. it starts with an E, not an I. So it's either. It's a silent E. No, I'm not going either way. I'm going when the Utes go. When? They're going to the Rose Bowl, man. Ute. Basking it. Ute in Arizona says, you guys are a pretty good duo. Keep being realistic, sarcastic, fun. And go Utes. I'm with you. My fellow Ute in Arizona. <laughs> Jordan says, can you have a talk with at Tony Park Zone about not ending a show with death and destruction? <laughs> Tony, did you end a show with death and destruction, Tony? I don't know if he did. <laughs> it was uh, a long time ago when I was going door-to-door. Not that door-to-door, another door-to-door. I was going door-to-door for a college summer job. And the uh, person supervising said, the people, the energy they leave the job with is the energy they bring back to the job. And it's the same rule with shows. They're never going to leave you with death and destruction if they can help it. I mean, on a big news day, when that's the only story, well, okay, then they're going to leave So 9-11. Yeah, 9-11, exactly, right. The 9-11 <laughs> kind of story. You're right. They're not going to go off and do a final story about puppies. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but... <laughs> The other 364 days a year, you know, the day of the presidential election, they'll finish with election news. But the other times, you got a chance that there'll be a squirrel, a cat, or a puppy at the end. Yeah, because it's entertainment. How is my tone any different from day to day? It actually changes within a show. Honestly, day to day, it's not very different. Right. It really isn't. Within a show. How has my tone been displeasure with these outrageous and beautiful lofty expectations. <laughs> a little bit. They do irritate you a little bit. No, they there's, don't. There's too much sunshine and they're not accurate. And that gets you. There because is sunshine in my soul. A little bit. A little bit, yes. But I mean, you a little don't bit. want a lot that goes, come on, the Utes haven't had a top 30 offense, let alone a top four or top two offense. And they've had undefeated seasons under Kyle. Or I was going to say since they came into the Pac-12, because actually their offense the, their offense was outstanding in okay. 2004. And it was pretty good in 2008. But they haven't had a receiver core that good. They haven't been able to throw the ball that well. They haven't had quarterback play that good. Yeah, but this year they're all back. Every single one of and them saved Siosi. They've all come back. Yep. And if they can keep their, somehow they got a lot better. If they can keep their quarterback healthy, that could be a big role too. He's been hurt For two sure. years in a row. And I wish him health right. every single game. I think Shilly showed us that he can beat the bad teams and he can probably beat the mediocre teams, but I have a lot of doubt about his so ability you just to beat called the good BYU teams. BYU bad. Yeah. yeah. The you, bad. Call, you called BYU bad? No. That's you did. Listen to the oh, thing. Yuck. Yuck. Come on. Come on, Yuck. 
Play the tape. He can beat bad teams and he can beat mediocre teams. Can oh. he beat the really good teams? <laughs> you changed it. No, you that's what I said. You were yelling it. over the top of me, so you didn't hear me. <laughs> Oregon. Sh- what is Oregon? <laughs> A duck. <laughs> They were, pretty, Medi- they were mediocre. You think they were good? Uh, I thought that's clearly his best win. There's I'd no, agree with that. No doubt about yeah. it. And they kicked that six field goals. That was a clutch win. Yeah. That was a big-time win that I didn't think they were going to get, and they turns out they absolutely needed it. So, yeah, he didn't look so good against Washington and Northwestern, uh, but that Oregon won. And, and, I, and I hope he doesn't play except in mop-up times. Because I, I like Tyler Hunley. But don't you have doubts about Hunley's ability to stay healthy, though? Is As he going to expose everybody. himself to and too many I hits? I guess maybe him more so. Right. That's what I'm getting but at. I, and that's why the 11-1 and one and the playoff the stuff all seems like too much. But based on him being healthy. But there's no excuses. If he goes down this year, I don't care. Well, Shelley's had a year under his belt, and he's played five games now. And maybe, right. when, you, maybe when you give him a 9-10 and 10 win team, he'll be able to handle those. He can handle the 6-8 and eight win teams. Sure. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, it's a win tickets Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Who's winning tickets to Blink 182? We're going to find out. DJ and PK, we'll get to that next. Stay with us. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on The Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a win tickets Wednesday, and we've got four tickets to Blink 182. Blink 182 and Lil Wayne celebrating the 20th anniversary of their hit album, Enema of the State. Check them out live with special guest Neck Deep, Monday, September 2nd at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. And we've got the tickets right now for Caller 12 at 855-340-ZONE. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Wednesday. Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, 855-340-ZONE right now. Yach is looking for caller 12 on a win tickets Wednesday. I want you to ponder this. And then we will hit it on the other side. Daniel has posted on our Facebook page where the question is, what will BYU do this year? Where are the big wins? Where are the big losses? Where is the agony of defeat? Daniel says, painful losses to Utah, Washington, Boise State. Wins over Tennessee, USC, and Utah State. They're going to finish 8-4. and four. Cool. That'd be awesome. Think about, think about that. We'll get to that on oh, the I'll other think side. About it, all right. I'm going to be here. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 